Hi again, this is Brad, and this is not my blog, but what is this? What are you listening to? Well, um, this is episode four of yet another creative experiment, the kind of experiment that people like you and I do when we're trying to find our, our footing in a creative cutthroat marketplace. We make things, we take risks, we write, we record anything, everything, and in the beginning of any creative journey, the goal is to try and test and to see what makes both ourselves and our audiences stay interested. I uh, spoke about this in a previous episode, but I used to write a blog. In fact, I wrote a blog for over 16 years. It was kind of a cobbled together collection of thoughts and articles, and it really ran the gamut from interesting to just me and a few readers to um, attracting thousands of eyeballs for any given article on any given day. So when I set out to make a podcast as sort of that alternative to a blog, it's a creative experiment. Naturally, I sort of looked to my blogging experience, and that's where I've started my podcasting journey. This podcast is, generally speaking, about taking a creative leap my first leap was out the door of an okay office job in a midlife career change. And that was an attempt to find uh, meaning, purpose, let's call it a reason to keep getting up each morning. And so I've been making art. I've been writing. And, you know, this week I've been thinking a lot about something that can be summed up in one word. Authenticity. Let me give you an example. Public spaces. Last summer, we took a three-week vacation to Europe. We went to London, Paris, Rome, and a lot of other places in between. It had been nearly a quarter of a century since I'd last been there. So long ago that my camera still used film, and I'd only taken five rolls with me at that. Not only did I take a lot more photos on this latest trip, but I also brought along a more artistic accessory. A sketchbook and very much like a photographer stopping to capture the scenes of the people and architecture, history, and beauty all around me, I routinely stopped to sit and sketch a scene with ink into the little folio notebook I'd brought along just for that purpose. It was simultaneously the most frightening and the most authentic work I'd ever done. Picture it. I'm sitting on the ground against a wall of a building in Piccadilly Circus, pen in hand, trying to stay out of the way of the hundreds of people rushing to and fro in all directions, madly casting my eye from page to scene and then back and forth and back again, all the while my pen is rushing across the page, scribbling as fast as I could move it. Everyone looked. People pointed. People stopped to take a photo of me, the silly middle-aged Canadian propped up on the stone sidewalk, inking out the scene. This repeated itself in Paris. There I was on the lawn of the Eiffel Tower, thousands of tourists wandering around the parched July grass, eating and drinking and looking down at the silly Canadian sitting there with his notebook and pen, working the intricate and detailed shapes of the very familiar outline of the tower there a couple hundred feet away in the afternoon sun. And again, in Rome, 
I pulled my notebook and pen from my satchel while we spent one hot morning touring around the Palatine Hill, those famous Roman ruins of the Age of Caesar, crumbling columns and weather-worn arches and meandering cobblestone paths dating back literal thousands of years and forming an archaeological site the size of a medium-sized town. The Colosseum, yes, that one, was somewhere to my back, and I had turned my attention to a vista of shapes and ruins and freestanding pillars with so much life bursting from their long-dead tails that the ink flowed from my pen and onto the page almost without thought. And, all around me, tour groups walked and wandered and lingered and looked and even, yes, snapped photos of the kooky Canadian sitting on a stone ledge sketching... Every one of those sketches now lives in a sketchbook on my shelf, but every single one of them emerged from an authentic moment of public exposure that culminated in a piece of art with more weight and memory imbued into it than anything I could ever draw with more time and precision back in my home studio. I don't know if it was performance pressure or the time crunch of my family wanting to press on with the sightseeing or maybe just the heat of the sun on my head, but each of those sketches means more to me than any photo or video I took on that trip. Each sprung from a moment of inspiration. Each emerged from a second of forethought and virtually no planning. Each was nothing more than an opportunity met with preparedness of an open mind and a ready pen. Each flowed from authenticity. I've been thinking a lot about authenticity this month as I try to wrap my head around what it means to capture an opportunity, an idea, a sound, an image, or anything creative. What does it mean to be open to inspiration and how does that translate into something more real on the page or the screen? I think anyone who has ever wandered with a ready pen and sketchbook through a crowded European city might have a good shot at understanding just what I mean. Personally, I find that authenticity can come from a lot of different places. It can come from your heart or it can come from your technique. It can spring out of opportunity, like the little essay I recently wrote about sketching my way through a European vacation. It was an opportunity that existed because of choices that I made in the moment when I was struck by inspiration. Or there's the kind of opportunity that comes out of the thin winter air because you figured out how to always have the tools and the motivation in your jacket pocket no matter where or when the inspiration strikes. I had just such a moment just the other day as I was walking home from a productive writing session at a local coffee shop. It was cold, the snow was fresh and crunching under my feet, and I pulled out my phone and I was starting to dictate what I wanted to say into the microphone later when I got home. But then, then the thought occurred to me that I was, you know, I'm holding a microphone. I was walking around with a perfectly serviceable recording device in my jacket pocket. And, um, well, here's what a moment of chilly inspiration turned into. was a podcast that I used to listen to probably oh at least at least five years ago it was a running podcast and it was really it had an authenticity to it and that authenticity came from the fact that the guy who ran the podcast he uh would record 
most of the episode while he was running. You could tell because you could hear his footsteps and you could hear that he was audibly out of breath as he was running from wherever he was to wherever he was going. And he would just talk and he would talk and introduce um, various clips and offer various insights into running, but also introduce the clips of listener feedback that he would he would um, solicit from his audience. So it was essentially a clip show. He would talk for five or ten minutes and then play something from some user who was pretty much doing the same thing, sending in a clip of themselves running or talking or talking about an experience with a race or, or something. He'd play that and talk about that and he'd sort of frame up his episode around that. And there's a real authenticity to that. You might be able to tell that I'm not in my studio recording right now. I'm walking through a nearby neighborhood to where I live, um, watching out for traffic and cars and people shoveling their sidewalks as I kind of trudge through the fresh snow and record this on my phone. And that's because I wanted to talk a little bit about authenticity today. That's what I wanted the, the theme of this week's episode to be about was the notion that, you know, not everything needs to be highly produced. Not everything needs to be um, crisply edited for an end user. Sometimes you have to do stuff that is real and authentic and really sort of embrace the rawness of what you're creating as a creator and not just because that's your style but because there is a foundational bit of of work that goes into um, creating a voice that will eventually emerge as something more polished but often starts off as a core of who you are and I'm going to stop recording for a few minutes as I walk by somebody using a leaf blower to clean the snow off their sidewalk. There's nothing more authentic than that, huh? So, I wanted to talk today a little bit about authenticity because it's something I've been thinking about extensively. And it comes down to this idea that as you work towards trying to build a practice, and by practice I mean you wake up in the morning, you set up yourself at a desk or a computer or a keyboard or a pad of paper or an easel or whatever you do, and you create like it's a job. Not because you're inspired, not because you feel like it that day, but because that's how you get it done. And so from that, you can't always have some deep spiritual sort of inspiration that comes that you're not going to always make something amazing or brilliant or beautiful. Sometimes you're just going to create something that is just you. It's authentic. It's off the cuff. It's in the moment. It's raw. And that's fine. Some days you are just going to have to create work that is 
where you are and where you're at. And just like right now, I'm walking down a neighborhood street through the snow, with cars passing me and noises interrupting me and people emerging from their house with shovels kind of spooking me into stopping my recording and interrupting it. Some days you're going to have that in your writing or you're going to have that in your art. And there is an authenticity to that. That's life. That's real. That's, that's where the good stuff comes from. And you can fix it and you can move on and you can make something inspired tomorrow. But today, today you get what you get. And that's something that I've been working on and struggling with and trying to get my head around as I write and trying to build this practice that I was talking about. As much as I am walking here through minus 10 Celsius, trudging through the snow, trying to record something that is coherent and meaningful and having some insight into something that I can produce in a podcast later on, I will go back to my studio at some point and I will edit something and I will take a piece of work that I've written that has more structure and more clarity and probably says what I want to say in a clear and concise way. I hope. I hope that's what I'm able to accomplish. But, to my point, in the opportunistic moment of being somewhere and freezing my fingertips off as I hold the phone to my face and try not to look like an idiot recording a podcast as I trudge through streets in a park and up and down neighborhood alleyways avoiding the gaze of curious neighbors who are wondering if I'm maybe talking on my phone or maybe talking to myself or this is the opportunity that is presented to me in this moment and it's something that I've been struggling with over and over and over, even as much as I have been working towards this thing I call a practice. Even as I work towards this this push towards creating every day and writing every day and producing something every day. And to do that isn't performative. It is part of this idea of, of building out a methodical effort towards creating something that gives me reason to create something tomorrow and the day after and the day after that because if I stop and lose that momentum then I'm building something that is just a hobby and I don't want this to be only a hobby and if it becomes this thing you do out of habit because it is who you are I really start to believe that it stops being performative. It stops being an obligation. It stops being a job. It becomes a piece of who you are. Where you open up the keyboard and you type yes because it's part of that day-to-day job and that routine and that thing that you are doing to create routine and, and daily work. But... It becomes more than that. It becomes a piece of giving your soul to this creative effort. And there's authenticity in that, I think. There's real in that. There is something more than just pursuit of of an end goal or pursuit of hits or pursuit of views or pursuit of a award novel at the end of this. 
I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I wrote this story. And this story is... It's not going to win a Hugo Award for science fiction. It is... It is something that I wrote because it was a story that I had in me. And it's not... It's not deep. It's not some grand moral lesson. It's not some great insight into the functioning of the universe. It's a fun adventure story. And that's the goal of it. And part of me was beating myself up over this notion of having something bigger and bolder and grander. But that's not authentic to who I am. The authenticity, I think, comes from writing something that I want to write and writing something that I'm comfortable writing and something that when I sit down to do it flows naturally out of my fingers and into the keyboard. And if I don't happen to have something deep and meaningful to say, something polished, something that is studio-ready or publishable, the minute it rolls on the keyboard, that's okay. The authenticity in that comes from comes from the core of the moment. Now, I am going to go back to the studio in a few minutes, and I'm going to record something that's a little more coherent and a little more strung together and a little more produced than me trudging through the snow. And part of the reason I'm going to do that is because I'm almost home from my walk, and my fingers are cold from holding my phone up to my face. But the other reason is because that's the other side of this. From the authenticity comes a, a, a push to build something that is more coherent. The brain works in ways that are not always complete sentences, that are not always clear, coherent thoughts strung together into a thesis with points marked out clearly in between. That and the conclusion. Sometimes, authenticity is just listening in the moment and when the opportunity strikes. And part of the practice that I'm trying to build is to find both the moments to create that, uh, that authentic bit of work, but then the moments later to clean it up into something that is produced, that is clear, that is better, than the sum of its parts. So, just like authenticity can tumble out of your heart in a moment that cues your mind to start working, no matter where you happen to be, authenticity can sometimes find itself in the very equipment that you use. Let me start off and say, of course, of course you want the best and the highest quality gear that you can afford. That's kind of a golden rule of anything creative. If you can afford a recording studio for the work you want to create, then build it, build a recording studio. If you can afford professional quality paint and paper for your artwork, use it. If you can afford top of the line, anything, any tool, any supply, any bit of equipment that's going to enhance the final project and make you happy. 
happy to share the final result, then that's what you should do. But that said, great videos can be shot on cheap cameras. Amazing art is sometimes scratched into unlikely surfaces on the back of a napkin. And the message that you are trying to convey does not necessarily rely on you having the best crystal clear audio recorded in a soundproof studio and produced with some ideal bitrate compression. It just doesn't. I've done a lot of thinking about the problem of equipment versus human. It's sort of a creative dilemma. When my creative outlet was a camera, when I was more of a photographer, I encountered this quite frequently. Equipment versus human. Technology versus skill. And I had some more thoughts about it recently when I started thinking about the same problem with my audio journey. Here it is. the reviews. I'm a bit of a review junkie. I completely admit that whenever I go to buy a new piece of equipment or technology, I often spend hours or even days browsing through review sites, watching video breakdowns or picking through the corners of the web looking for clues as to the quality of my latest wish list item. And if you're about to drop some cash on a tool or gadget or even just a fun toy, you definitely want to make sure that both the quality and the functionality are up to snuff. All that said, I've learned a very important lesson about product reviews that I think may be a glaring negative to my review junkie lifestyle. Reviews can go too deep, too far, get too obsessive. But wait, let me back up and use the analogy of photography equipment to clarify my point. See. I used to take a lot more photos. I own multiple digital SLR cameras, a shelf full of lenses, and a drawer stuffed to overflowing with photography accessories. I was really into cameras for a while. And to some extent, my passion for photography has only really faltered because my distraction by the equipment tripped over the very thing I'm writing this post about. Obsession. Obsession over the wrong thing, to be specific. Camera equipment quality is one of those things that scales to near limitless levels based solely on one's budget. The only limit to the size and scale of a lens is how much money do you want to spend. The only real limit to how many megapixels or how much processing power or the potency of any of dozens of other core photography features is the photographer's resources. And any photographer can fall into the bottomless hole of trying to get better equipment and sharper images and crisper colors as they chase the problem with money. But good equipment doesn't take good photos. A good photographer takes good photos. And amazing photos can be taken with mediocre equipment just as easily as bad photos can be taken with amazing equipment. The equipment quality pursuit is more often than not just a myth that photographers tell themselves as they seek an approach towards perfection. Sure, there is an argument to be made about professionalism and quality expectations around commercial work, but that aside, the act and the art of photography has infinitely more to do with the person holding the camera than the camera itself. I've been recording audio lately, and as a result have come into possession of some new equipment. Digital recorders, mics, arms, cables, the list goes on, and for every piece of equipment I've bought so far I've fallen... Nay, tripped into the review rabbit hole. I read about things like dynamic range, handling noise, floor levels, and a dozen other bits of audio recording minutiae. 
And then I need to catch myself. I need to remind myself. Making audio that people want to listen to has nothing to do with whether my final podcast has a subtle hiss in the background that I can't get rid of without a thousand dollar microphone, nor does it have anything to do with if my mic has slightly better range in the mid-tenors versus the bass, the quality of what I record, what I create, and my enjoyment in creating all of it will have infinitely more to do with the value of the words I am saying into that equipment. Reviews aside, I need to pinch myself and remember that. So as I've been saying, the idea of authenticity has been on my mind a lot this week, especially as I gather my thoughts and bits of audio and try to string it together into this fourth episode. I really started looking back at what I'd already done, and then I started looking forward at what I wanted to do more of. And looking back is fine. Like Heck knows I do a lot of it, but after taking a creative leap, there is sort of There's a lot of momentum to carry you in whatever direction you happen to have leapt. I did some looking backwards this past week, for example, when I I meandered downtown and wandered through my old office days stomping grounds. You know, I don't really have many excuses to get into our downtown core these days, but one just happened to pop up. See, one of my all-time favorite food court kiosks is closing. It's been in operation for just over 30 years downtown in the same location, It's something of an Edmonton institution. And for nearly 15 of those years, I've visited that local food institution on a minimum monthly basis. At least I did until I left the downtown core. It definitely has, um, soon to be had, the best spicy chicken and noodles that I have ever eaten. The place is one of those unlikely hole-in-the-wall treasures that everybody knows about. People line up for two hours. The line is 50 people long on any given day, any lunch break, every day, just to get a container of this chicken for lunch. But as it turns out, the owner is retiring and the place is shuttering. And the last little bit of my personal downtown experience is drawing to a close. And so I went down there to have one last helping of chicken. I was looking back so that I could keep looking forward. Yeah, I like sesame. I'll do the sesame and dry. I'll do a regular today. Okay, I'll go to a regular. Hello. Yeah. Uh, buddy, do you like some ginger too? You got some ginger? Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, Okay, thank you. You are my old friend. Yeah. Although you look perfect, you still look really good. (laughs) So I remember you. That's that's good. We are closing. (laughs) I know. I know. That's why I came here. I don't work downtown anymore. I came down to see you. How long you been coming here? Uh, 15 years. 15 years. You look the same, buddy. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
authenticity does it come from doing the best thing or doing the most marketable thing or does it come from real moments that are captured either because of opportunity preparedness or even boldness i'm taking another creative risk this week as i pull together a few big ideas to produce the final result of this podcast i'm leaping again i'm looking back but not clinging to the tiny handful of episodes that I've already made and published and instead asking myself, where do I want to take this thing that is not my blog? This thing that continues to be a chip off my life and experiences turned into a digital artifact for others to enjoy. What does that look like? This is not my blog, but it's also not my studio production. If that's the only reason you keep listening to me, for production values or recording fidelity or because I have a fancy microphone, then I'm doing this for the wrong reason. So maybe it's something else. And if you feel like being authentic along with me, as I explore all these different topics, topics connected to creative risk, career change, and even personal enlightenment, why not subscribe? And if you really want to leap along, then send me an audio clip. The instructions are on my website. All of that is listed in the show notes. And as always, stay real and thanks for listening. 